Coming to you live from Charm City, I'm Anthony. And I'm Cece. And you're listening to Lit Pop Bang. Hello, everyone. We're very excited today. We have a very special guest, as we always have special yeah, guests. Yeah. But today is particularly special. Yeah, and for joining me. us at an early morning recording, which is always very considerate. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's super early morning. <laughs> it's a big ask. Which, which means, people, we don't have any special drinks. I'm doing air quotes right now. <laughs> special drinks this morning. And anyway, uh, our guest for today is Susan Mwadi Duraj. And we have Anthony, who's going to do the bio. Yeah, I'm going to read the official bio. So Susan is an associate professor of English at Hartford College in Bel Air, Maryland, a 2018 USA Ford Fellow. Susan is also a lecturer at the Johns Hopkins University MA in Writing and a faculty member at Fairfield University's MFA program. In 2014, her short story collection, A Curious Land, Stories from Home, won all sorts of awards, including the AWP Grace Paley Prize for Short Fiction, an Arab American Book Award, a 2016 American Book Award, and it was shortlisted for a Palestine <laughs> Book Award. Who's right? Lot of, yes. Lot of stuff. Lot of Her stuff. previous short story collection, The Inheritance of Exile, was published in 2007 by University of Notre Dame Press. In 2020, Capstone Books will launch her debut children's chapter book series, Farah Rocks, about a smart, brave Palestinian American girl named Farah Haraj. She edited Shaharazad's Legacy, Arab and Arab American Women on Writing, which was published in 2004 by Prager Publishers with Wail Hassan. She co edited a volume for the MLA's Approaches to Teaching World Literature series on Nobel laureate Najib Mahfouz. She's also contributed chapters, essays, and stories to a very long list of anthologies and journals. She is a former editor-in-chief of the Baltimore Review and a Barrel House magazine editor, where she co-founds co-founded the annual Conversations Connections. and Connections Conference. Have you been to this? You've been right? I, yeah. lo- I love this conference. It's like, I, we, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. It's the most chill, like... Down to earth. Yeah, and real. I And yeah. I feel like helpful, like, conference that I've yeah. ever been to with yeah. real people who are really interested in yeah. writing. Not, not, that other, not that other conferences, I'm doing air quotes again, not that other conferences are not interesting with real people, but just this feels very uh, down to earth. No, yeah. yeah. No, for real. Come on. AWP, you feel like you have to be on the whole time, right? You have to be writer persona the whole time. And that's always the case in some sense. But right. the conversation with connections was, yeah. really feels like just writers getting together right. to talk about things they know and things they And know. I also yeah. think the population of conference goers are real people out in the world who yeah. just want to write and just want to know about practical approaches to yeah. writing. You yeah. know, they're just sure. like real people in that respect. Yeah, so absolutely. in any event, Anthony gave the formal bio, but right. we always ask our guest, Susan, was there anything you'd like to add that's not in the formal bio? Anything of uh, personal, it could be... You know, I know you cook. It could be any of the could be any of these things. I don't know. Anything that you would like. Anything about your children or I don't know. Any anything you'd like to add. <laughs> well, I can probably tell you that um, I'm a writer who has a full time job and oh. a part time job and three kids. So wow. for anyone who's struggling to write, it can be done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can you can have a full, busy life and still find time to write. It's cool. not easy, but it can be done. Cool. Yeah. We're not all just sitting under a tree by a stream. No. You know, no, we're not all Waiting Walmart. We're not all to strike. Or Whitman. And we're not, <laughs> yeah, right. We're not right. all that. Right. True. Right. Yeah. So. so that's great. That's what you wanted to add. Yeah. 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 Do you and have pets, you, by the way? I do not have pets because I have three children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't handle anything else. Yeah. And theoretically. I, I can't take care of one more thing. Somebody bought me an orchid last month, and I was like, really? Like, I have to take care of this thing now? Like, one more thing I have to, like, watch out for? And no. Shout out to the person who bought you the orchid. Sorry, Orchids no. are amazing. I don't like orchids. We have a, a like plastic that. orchid on the front porch. A, pla- a, yeah, fo- yeah. a foe? I would accept yeah, yeah, a foe. plastic orchid. I can't imagine taking care of an orchid. I like real plants, though. I can't I even take care of, like, a succulent really oh, well. Oh, really? You yeah, kill yeah. succulents? Yeah, oh, yeah. This yeah. should be the bang question, people. <laughs> Things, the plants that you killed yeah. or animals that you what killed. What threshold of plant can you take care of? I've also killed animals accidentally. <laughs> Small I ones. I my husband's fish one time. No. Right, I, I did that. I overfed them because I felt... 
I felt really bad that they weren't eating a lot, and so I overfed them when he was away at a conference, and he came back, and three of them oh. were be- belly up. Literally, this should have been the bad question. What have you killed? <laughs> anyway, we need to continue on with the podcast. Yeah, you want to start with the first question? Uh, sure. My right. first question is really about this article that Susan wrote, and I want to talk about, it's called, the article is called No Shame in Our Game, and it's really about uh, talking about community college. It includes a lot of information. I had no idea that 42% of college of students who are enrolled in college actually are enrolled in community colleges. And you talk a lot about the stigmas that uh, exist around community colleges and also the professors that teach them. And my question to you was, uh, do you think any of that has to do with race, the race and ethnicity of students that are in community colleges? You didn't talk about that in the article. That wasn't the you know, the key focus of the article is really making people aware of the kind of work that happens, the real work that happens at community colleges. But I just wanted to know if you thought there was a race and or ethnicity element uh, that sort of factors into why the stigma of community colleges exist. Definitely. I think there's um, especially a class stigma. Mm. A lot of our students are working class kids. A lot of them are people who are literally um what do we call them, the precariat, like they are literally Mm -hmm. on the edge. Um, I tell people all the time that for some of my students, if their car needs to be fixed and Mm. the bill is going to be a high bill, Mm. fix a transmission or something, they will have to drop their classes. You know, they cannot pay their bills. So they are literally living kind of in this precarious situation. Um, And, of course, we know that most um, people who are ethnic and racial minorities tend to be Uh, There's a greater uh, proportion of people who are ethnic and racial minorities who are working class or living below the poverty line. Yes. So, yeah, I think there's a racial element. Mm. I think there's a gender element. Mm. There's a lot of women who, when they are, you know, going to school, if they have children or something, single moms, for example, they will try a community college first Mm. before devoting their funds Mm. and their finances to a four-year university. Mm. It's more expensive. Yeah. There's a money, yeah. And like, yeah, a lot of students who are in college are actually at a community college. Right. So we are taking care of a big portion of no. the community of the college population. I mean, when I read that country. article, I really got educated myself. I mean, I'm an educator too. I'm in the university system, but I really did not know all of those things about community college. So, a, thank you for writing the article <laughs> because I feel like it educates uh, uh, even people at my level who are doing the same thing will really need to know the kind of work that community college community colleges are doing. And many of our students have transferred from community colleges, so it's good for us to know that information and know. Yeah. And like I said, I really do think that the stigma has to do, like you said, with class, gender, race, all those things are intertwined mm-hmm. into why community colleges aren't given the same, um, you know, I don't know, FaceTime and 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 interest by other, other uh, institutions. Yeah, and that article got a lot of attention, right? Didn't like... Like Hillary Clinton retweeted it or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I wrote it initially as a Twitter thread. I was right. really I read angry th- yeah. one day because it was close to graduation time, and mm-hmm. one of my students said to me, this is yeah. what I put in the article, he wasn't going to go to graduation because his friends were making fun of him and said, it's just community college. Why would you go put a gown oh, on wow. and go to graduation? Yeah. I was so angry because yeah. I know him, and he worked really hard, and he's yeah. really smart. And the fact that they were cheapening his achievement. Yes really ticked me off and so I wrote this Twitter thread that I guess you know it went it went per, it went viral Hillary Clinton retweeted it yes yeah. thank you Hillary um, yes and so then I uh, thought to put it into a, like an article op-ed form yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, the Chronicle published it yeah we'll, we'll have a link to the article people oh, yeah, in the show sure. notes for, for sure. yes I love mm-hmm. that that sort of uh, that exchange it's not uncommon now of being like, oh, this thread went viral. Mm-hmm. Let's put it together in some mm-hmm. sort of publication. That's mm-hmm. become sort of a normal part of the discourse now, which is rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's nice. It's a nice yeah. exchange. I mean, the Chronicle's a big, important place too. Yeah, for sure. Especially for to sure. have an article like this. What was yeah. your? Oh, actually, I was gonna say I had another question about that article. In it, you mention you yourself are first generation, right? First yes. generation college student. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I was gonna ask you sort of like the pros and cons of that. Like what. I'm sure it brings something to your pedagogy, right? To be a first-generation college student who's now a professor teaching first-generation college students. Um, But I'm also sure that uh, in the various places that sort of like we rub elbows with other educators, um, there's something there that happens that, you know, I I ask it because I'm also a first-generation college student. I'm finishing a PhD. Yeah. and I know that there's something that happens where, I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's, there's, there's some attitude towards 
professors who come up from that. Mm. Um, that's like a good for you sort of. I, I can't yeah, put into it's words. Yeah, yeah it's it? condescending. Yeah. yeah, and and we feel it, don't we? Yeah. yeah. And so I was going to ask you if if you had any perspectives about that, both the strength and sort of the hurdles that that sure. are generated because of it. Yeah, well, I, I should probably clarify. My mother did attend. Uh, she took classes at a community college mm-hmm. after she immigrated to the U.S. I'm the first in my family to graduate from a university. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like it has affected my teaching. My radar mm. for students who are nervous about being in college, my radar is so finely calibrated to detect those students. Like, yeah. I just can tell when they want to ask a question but they don't want to feel stupid they have imposter syndrome they're really nervous um i have those experiences i tell people all the time i went through my first entire semester of college not knowing what the word credit was like what was a credit i had no idea i had an experience where um the first week of class the professor handed out some paper called a syllabus i don't know what it was for Mm. Um, and he explained to us that we were going to have a blue book exam. Do you remember blue book exams? Yeah, I remember hearing them. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant, and I looked at the textbook that I had just dropped half my paycheck on, and it was red, and I was like, damn it, I bought the wrong book. Now I'm not going to, and I can't return it, you know. So I was just very nervous and overwhelmed and didn't really know the the jargon and the language, and so I feel like I'm hyper aware of those students who want to ask those kinds of questions, who who are nervous. And I try to make myself as approachable as possible to yeah. those students. Um, even, I'll tell you, I don't wear suits when I teach. I don't dress up when I teach. Mm. I wear jeans. Sometimes I wear funny T-shirts. I crack jokes so that they feel very comfortable with me. I think I saw you on Twitter with a, it, it's on the syllabus T-shirt, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. <laughs> always stalking you on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. When I saw that t-shirt, I thought, oh, I need one of those. Yeah. It's written on the syllabus, guys. If yeah. you read it, you know. You would anyway. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I do things like that. I um, I show, like, media in my classes. I use a lot of media. And mm-hmm. like, one, one film that I show pretty much every semester is the film Rocky, the 1976 mm-hmm. Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Very Philly. Um, yeah, well, that, that's my, yeah, I got to do that. That's our, that's our religion. Really. Um, I show that movie because it's it's a warm-up to the semester. They write their first paper about being working class issues, about race issues. That's all in that movie. And it's just a fun movie to talk about. And it's yeah. funny how many of them are familiar. Like, like they might work out to the music of Rocky, but they don't have right. ever seen the actual yeah. right. first film. So things like that, I think, get them to put their guard down around me. Yeah. And then they it makes me more approachable to them. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but we do we do get an attitude from other people, you know, I think when we um you know, I like I've had comments from people about why why are you showing Rocky? Like as if I should be showing like, you know, Jane, a Jane Austen film or something like that. Well, my students don't want to watch a Jane Austen yeah. film. We'll yeah. get to that later, but we'll start off with Rocky. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, also, I wanted to know, I had a question, and talk, talking about being first generation, also, this is, like, a general question, and it's a question because I, as a female in the publishing industry, find that um, you know, the publishing industry is really intimidating in terms of breaking into it, being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, then once you get on the inside of it, the t- types of things that are published and aren't published are very interesting. So I just wanted to ask you, as someone who has a very uh, wide collection, like I said, you have a whole section of books, which I'm still working my way through. Um, How have you found as a woman, um, as an Arab American woman, how have you found the publishing industry and how have you navigated your way towards, um, you know, publishing so much? How have you gotten those opportunities? How how have I know that's a really general wide question, but in, you know, if you could just narrow it down and talk a little bit about how you have come, how these opportunities have come to you, and you've been able to publish multiple times. Mm. Um, I bribe people all the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do, no. Uh, so, more seri- my, my sort of role model for how to behave as a literary citizen, uh, my role model is Toni Morrison. So, oh, okay. Toni Morrison, once she broke into the publishing field, she did her best to lift up other people. So I feel like that's a responsibility that I have. Um, I grew up in this country. I was born and raised in this country. My parents are immigrants. And growing up, I did not really see a lot or read a lot of Arab American, especially Palestinian American writers in English. Um, 
And, you know, you feel that. Like, you feel like the publishing industry is for other people. It's yes. not for you and your voice. So uh, I had some good mentors in college who encouraged me to send out my work. They hmm. felt that my voice was, you know, different or yeah. original. And at a time when I didn't feel that it was. But oh. um, so I sort of learned the business of, you know, you type up your story, you put it in an envelope with a with a with an SASC and a little stamp <laughs> yeah. on it, and you just send yeah. it out yeah. to different um, places. And so, I just started to send out my work little by little. Got rejected all the time, mm. but was told to be persistent in hmm. doing that. And I had a couple of stories accepted after a while, and. Um, then I began like volunteering at Lit Journal. So I, when oh. I moved to Baltimore, I volunteered at the Baltimore Review. Mm -hmm. And working at a Lit Journal really helps you understand a lot mm. about uh, what gets published and what doesn't. I love because that. you see a story come across your desk and your like your desk. I mean, you know, come across your lap sure. when you're sitting in your chair reading at night through these stories. Um, and you see stories that have like that are filled with errors, and you're like, oh. Oh wait! I think I've done that in my story. Wait, I better right. I better learn from that. So, you learn from the editorial side what you should be doing as a writer. Right. Um, I also attended lots of conferences. Mm. I I love talking to other writers. Mm. They're like, that's like your tribe, right? You go to a conference yeah, definitely. to meet other writers. Yeah. Um, so I networked in that way, and I also sent my stories out to contests. So I, my first book, The Inheritance of Exile, yeah. I'd had a couple of those stories published already. And I put them into a collection, and I sent it out to several different contests. One of them was the, the AWP Grace Kelly yeah. Prize. It didn't win, but it was the finalist in that award. And that, being a finalist, helped me um, get a publishing contract yeah. with hmm. the University Press. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, and it kind of went from there. It's just a lot of persistence. Yeah. You know? But I always try, like, once, I don't even know if I'm really in the game yet, but I do what I can to lift up other writers who whose voices are not heard yes. as much as they should be heard. Yeah. No, that's, it sounds like a combination of things that you've really sort of described. Good mentors, persistence, volunteering at conferences, being a, a volunteer at a, at a literary journal, all those sort of things wrapped up into one, you know, and, and then becoming a finalist. So it seems like it was a combination of things, yeah. you know, that have kind of kept you, and you are in the game, Susan. I just want to let you know, <laughs> you know, just in case you are growing, just in case well, you're I mean, here. you know, there is like this division, like there are the people who have MFAs, and then there are those of us who don't have MFAs, and somehow... You know, uh, you know, you feel like people who have an MFA, maybe they have more of an advantage than you do. But I don't think that's true. I think they yeah. have a more structured environment in which right. to write, which is incredibly valuable. But you yeah. don't have to have an MFA yes. right, to, to, I to agree. break into sure. I agree. And yeah. if you have talent, uh, talent sort of supersedes a lot of those yeah. things. I tell, I tell a lot of students considering the MFA, like, hey, what the MFA really gives you is, like, uh, a network. Three, Yeah, networking and three years of, like, practicing your craft. And if you think you can figure that out on your own, mm -hmm. maybe you don't even need to do an MFA. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually had a question, and you, you began to answer it uh, when you talked briefly about sort of representation, seeing yourself mm -hmm. in the text. But um, it's, it's, it's actually something much different, and that's you've written a couple books of this sort of literary fiction, short stories, um, and in doing so, it's also led you to these essays, and you become sort of a voice in this sort of discourse around... Palestinian Americans, Arab Americans, uh, Arab Christians, and sort of made this mark for yourself in literary fiction. Mm -hmm. But your next book <laughs> is a children's chapter book. And yeah. it's around similar themes, but yeah. it's a whole new space, a whole new genre with different yeah. rules and different people. <laughs> and I was, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that experience of like having this career that's getting you attention and just taking uh, this complete sideways step to something completely new. I, sure. Um, it, it was a bit of a risk for me, yeah. but I feel like, you know, I was growing up in this country. I didn't really see myself in books. Like, I used yeah. to read the Sweet Valley High books. I, I did, too. those books. Yeah. Okay. I did, too. Then Nancy Drew and the oh, Hardy Boys That, too. Books. They were all in my collection. But there's no <laughs> Susan Madi Daraj in those books. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so, yeah. um, and, you know, whatever it is. But I felt like we still don't have books that represent children. Like, the numbers came out, actually, a few months ago about the representation oh. of children of color. Yeah. And there are more books about starring animals as main characters than there are children of color. Hmm. 
Like there are hardly any books that are published every year with um, Latinx children, with right. um, Native American children, especially Arab American children don't even pass like the 0.001% mark. Yeah. So I can't like live in a world where like my own children are going through what I went through. Yeah. I'm 44. Like there should be some books with Palestinian and Arab American kids in them, yeah. right? That are not about racism that are not about fighting Islam that are not about <laughs> dealing with you know like a lot of people who write books with children of color in them are writing these trauma crisis books yeah, you yeah, know? of course and there was a New York Times article not too long ago uh, and maybe you saw it it was it, it went viral um, it, the title of it was black children don't always want to read about Harriet Tubman yeah. okay like <laughs> yes, children yes. want to see themselves yeah. in like normal everyday situations so that's what I wanted to do. And my daughter said to me one day, how come there are no books with like Arab girls in them? And I was like, why are we still asking this question, right? So I wrote a book for her and Farah in Arabic means joy. Mm. And so I gave her that name because I want her to be a joyful character. Um, and I showed it to my agent. I said, listen, I know I'm supposed to be working on a novel, but I wrote this thing, <laughs> what do you think? And he loved it. And he said, why don't you try to do it as a chapter book series? Hmm. I said, okay. And he said, yeah, so it'll make my job easier if you write a second one. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how they get sold, right? In right. series, yeah. In series. <laughs> so I wrote a second one to complement the first one to show that it could be done as a series. Yeah. And, then he, and then he sold it. So we have a four-book deal. So oh, I have two so more cool. to write. Wow. I have two more to write. Yeah, and the first one launches in January. Yeah. That is amazing. Thank you. And, you know, yeah. the response to it has been really exciting. A lot of Arab-American people who have, like, pre-ordered it have said, I can't believe there's finally, like, a book like this for my kids. I mean, there there have been a few, like Naomi Shihab Nye, the yeah. poet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She wrote a gorgeous book. It yeah. came yeah. out in, like, the late 90s with a Palestinian-American main character. Yeah. But there, so there are a couple of those, like, standalone books. Yeah. There are a couple of picture books that are out. Yeah. But this will be the first, like, chapter book series with a Palestinian kid as the main character. That is a first That's and so amazing. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. I'm I mean, excited. Yeah, you've yeah. got you've to feel like a... I don't know, like Rocky. You oh, gotta, you get, you've got to feel like you're Yo, fighting. Adrian. <laughs> but, Adrian. But it was hard, you know. Like writing for kids is really hard. It, yeah. it, I oh. had a lot to learn. Like so, mm. like my agent sold this manuscript, right? And I'm like, okay, good, it's done. Then the editor got hold of it and she said, oh no, we need to work on this. Why? I'm like, well, I thought it was done. Like the language, <laughs> the language wasn't the um, language, the sort of like the way you break down scenes for that age group. Uh -huh. yeah. It's not. It's it's a book for eight to twelve year olds, and okay. so. You know, like every scene has to start off right away, like quickly in the action. Right. Um, you have to sort of always clue in the reader to how the character is feeling about something that's happening. Right. In literary fiction, you might have a character like raise an eyebrow to yeah. show their anger, but yeah. you need to be you a little more explicit. You let the reader explicit. figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you can still let the reader figure out a lot of things, but you have to just be clear about, you know, other, other issues. So yeah. it was a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I rewrote it seven times. Seven times for wow. a book that was already sold. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. 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 So, wow. you know, we're always learning as but writers. Yeah. Exactly. You're exactly. all the yeah. time as a writer. That's, that's yeah. really what I was curious about, too, is those sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. That there's a whole different set of conventions for the genre, right? right? Mm -hmm. Both in the writing of it, but also in, like, getting it sold and how it's sold and who it's sold to and all those things. And so yeah. it's a whole new... Thing to learn about writing for mm -hmm. someone who already knows a lot about writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the illustrations are a separate issue, right? right? Because I was very nervous about who was going to illustrate my book. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be damned if they're going to like you know hire an illustrator who's going to depict this little girl with like a unibrow and like messy hair. Right. I mean, you know, I need it. I need her to look good, you right. know, because. Yeah. I'm I'm giving her to like another generation of Arab girls, especially. Yes. Yeah. I want her to look like an Arab girl, not right. like someone's stereotype yeah, image of, of an Arab girl. Right. Of course, yeah. So, and the publisher, I trusted them a hundred percent because it's Capstone Books, and mm. their book list is very diverse, incredibly mm -hmm. diverse, That's more than most um, children's book publishers. But we still made sure that there was sort of an approval process in place where, like, and, and they're very good about following that, where, like, they send me the illustrations. What do you think mm. of this? What do you think of her hair? Her hair is really important. Like, I want her to have the right hair, you yeah. know. Um, and they hired an illustrator who was actually um, half Arab-American and half Colombian-American. 
and she knows, you know, yeah. she knows how yeah, to yeah. depict her. So yeah. it's working very well, and I'm very happy with how Farrah looks yeah. as well. That's so, important. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, her physical representation in the world is totally yeah. important. It yeah. is. In addition to your lovely words that are on the inside. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, that was wild to, like, invent a character in my head and then see her you know, oh right, because you're all your other right. That's yeah. that's true. Yeah, I never thought about yeah, that. that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I cried, I never... you guys. I cried. Oh, you should. You should. <laughs> I mean, in addition to the fact you're making history, Susan. Oh. I mean, I mean, no. I mean, I think that's really important. I think as a woman of color, you're a woman of color. I think I think about the fact that often we're making history. I have been told this by mentors of mine. I'm so busy doing the work sometimes that they're like, "Do you ever realize that you did the blah blah blah?" And I'm like, yeah. and they're like, "You should ask someone if you're the first African-American woman to do this blah 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 and I'm kind of like oh I didn't even think about that like you know I'm so busy focused on getting the work out that I'm really not even thinking about the historical context of which you know I'm adding to you know so yeah. I think that's really important to you know think about that for yourself and be proud of that yeah, yeah we produce and produce and we don't really reflect you know and right. and, and yeah because because we're humble people so, yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, not only that, but like you said, many of us are doing a bunch of other jobs. We're yeah. working, I mean, we're working eight to five or we're working, you know, or whatever. We're doing all these mm -hmm. things. We don't have time to be, or I often feel like I don't have time to be looking up the history. I just want to do the work. Yeah. And that's really important to and me. And the work is, it, it brings such joy. It right? does. I yeah. love doing the work. So oh, yeah. For me, writing is like a very beautiful pastime. <laughs> it's like a very wonderful time that I have for myself you yes. know, when I sit and I write and I make a character and create a new world so right. um, I like to enjoy that time and not really think about the ramifications of it too much. Right, exactly. Alright, we're back at the pop section of the podcast. We are. Uh, some interesting pop stuff. This some, week. Not, yeah. not as much as usual I mean, actually. Yeah, I think in September we were fighting over what to, to cut out and now right. we're like what do we want to talk about? Right, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It's, we were just like, oh my God, there's so much stuff. And now we're like, wah, wah, it's all done. Yeah. You know what's um, going to happen between now and when the recording drops? It's there'll be like nine Everything will happen, yeah. You know, <laughs> one thing I forgot that's actually not on our list that we should mention is Billy Porter winning the Emmy. Yeah. We should Billy we, Porter. Yeah, I mean, I love to talk about Pulse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I didn't, a, we can just do a quick, yeah. you know. I think he's that. brilliant. I think the show's brilliant. It is. But I also think, like, I love that he's giving context to... Kind of what we were talking about in the earlier section. He's giving context to what his victory means, right? Yes. To what this show winning means, to what, like, uh, gender non-conforming black man winning high-profile awards yeah. means. You yeah. You know, like... And he's and, always he's always giving um, justice, verbal justice to that. Yeah. He's in in yeah. any context, when I've seen him on any interview, he's always, you know, articulating how difficult it's been, you know, as a black gay man to get roles in Hollywood, yeah. even though he's also an award winner in other in other categories. This is his first Emmy, but he's an yeah. award winner in other in other categories. Yeah. 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 In my heart, especially. Well, I mean, you know, he, I mean, he had that bag that said, F you pay me, yeah. when he showed yeah. up somewhere, and I was like, say it, yes. brother. Yeah. Say, right. you know what I mean? So I, I, I sort of love him. You know what really knocked me out that he did? He did an interview about his gown. What was the award show last year where he wore that gorgeous I, I don't know which one. Gown. He's been to a lot of them, but yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know the, which one. I remember did, that picture. Yeah, yeah, he did a, this interview afterwards, and he talks about, like, um, one of the reasons I did it was because um, America doesn't know how to handle a man in a dress, right? right. You, If you see a man in the dress in TV and film, right. it's for you to laugh at. Right? right, it is. And so Americans don't know how to handle to see a man in a dress, and it's not funny. It's right. fashion, right? And, right. And he just, like, directly attacking that, right? Oh, like, yeah. Um, it's just, like, about queerness, about gender, about also about blackness, right? Yeah. Like, because we don't just consider him as a gay man. We consider him as a black gay man. Yeah. And just... He's, he, I love him so much. I do, too. And I love what he's, he's doing, he's always... both on screen and in interviews. So yeah. so hypocritical, because like a like a man in a kilt is sexy, right? Right, right. Ah, <laughs> right. right. good point, Susan. You know, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like yeah. we've, we've seen men in, in dresses all the time, in yeah. skirts all the time. Arab men in the Middle East yeah. wear long robes yeah. and gowns and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. And yet, yeah, I, I love that he gives voice to that. It's so important, and I... It, really makes me feel good that there's a whole generation of like young people who have like someone who's speaking for them yeah. and opening exactly. that space for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the scope of people, right? You see Billy Porter and you also see like Jaden Smith who are both being like, 
hey, the weird convention we've had over the last hundred years about men in yeah. sort of things that are considered feminine, let's throw those out the door. There's yeah. there's no use for it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I, I think, he, like I said, Billy Porter, we all love him here. We all love Pose. I'm I'm anxiously awaiting the third season of Pose. Yeah. That's, you know, but Billy Porter saying at the end of his speech, you know, the category is love. Him saying that at the end of his uh, release speech. So good. I was just so like, good. Billy Porter, just, can you come to my house and yes. just preach it's, to me all it's day? It's corny. Just, it's so corny and I love it so much. I don't think it's corny at all. I think it's Maul thinks it's sweet. Yeah, you think yeah. it's corny. But I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I, I do think it's corny, but it's... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think, I think it's, the reality that we need right now yeah, in a current sure. political climate yeah. that is totally adverse yeah. to yeah. thinking about any iota of intimacy, love, anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think we, we need forget to hear that love is about empathy and about putting yourself in someone's someone else's shoes yes. and reaching yeah. across. Like love is yes. an active thing. Right. You know? It's yeah. not just uh, like a romantic, sentimental idea. Exactly, so and that's I what I... That and I'm even saying about intimacy, I'm often talking to my students about that versus sexuality and sec yeah. tactile sex. I'm yeah. like, there's intimacy between not... You know, it doesn't have to be romantic, sexual love. It can be intimacy between sisters or friends or these sorts of things. And I think Billy Porter embodies all of that. And that's yeah. what I'm saying about the word love to me is a bigger... It's a bigger sort of umbrella when yeah. I think about it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So anyway, uh, we also wanted to talk about a couple other things in pop. Uh, one of the things I big halftime news, right? I wanted to mention. I don't know <laughs> if it's big, but it's interesting. Jennifer Lopez and Shakira are going to be doing the Super Bowl 2020 halftime show, and you know, I think it's the NFL's 100th anniversary. I don't care much about the NFL, um, but I think it's interesting that they've chosen J Lo and Shakira to do the halftime show. There's been, I mean, halftime Super Bowl shows have been uh, highly controversial in in yes. the past yeah. in different kinds of ways, you know. Um, and I like that uh, J-Lo had a quote that I wanted to read. She said, ever since she'd seen Diana Ross fly off into the sky, uh, I dreamed of performing at the Super Bowl. And now it's made even more special now that I'm performing with a fellow Latina. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, to add to this, there will be lots of performers at the Super Bowl 2020 um, halftime. They've also included Maroon 5, Beyonce, Missy Elliott, Lenny Kravitz, oh, Lenny, Kravitz Lenny Kravitz, who I love, and yeah. Lady Gaga. Yeah. So can I just say Shakira's actually Lebanese? I'm just saying. Oh. We're represented too now. She's Arab. Oh. Her family is Arab who immigrated to um, South America. I just want to say that because her name is an Arab name and her family yeah. is Arab. I, just I didn't say, know that. Yeah, I feel represented too by that halftime show. J-Lo kind of reduced, reduced her. I know. I mean, you know, she... You know, it's fine, but right. I just like to point out whenever yeah. possible. The yeah, the technical. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> I here get for in it. that little percent. I'm here for it. I mean, I'm here is, for it, girl. This is the only excitement I have about it, right? That that the representation going on by them being yeah. the sort of headliners of the event. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. But? Mm -hmm. But what? All of those names are late 90s names, right? That's 20 True. years ago. Well, not Beyonce. Beyonce's not a lady. Beyonce gonna be there? She's on the list. Oh, she's not. She's not part of the. But I'm saying yeah. multiple uh, musical artists. Oh yeah, I mean this, all the people yeah. on this year's list that you named. Yeah, but yeah. Beyonce's on the list. Oh cool. Yeah, of, of, for for 2020 yeah. Super Bowl 2020. That'd be great. But That's you're fantastic. right. Missy Elliott, Maroon Five, mm -hmm. Lenny Kravitz is 80. We sometimes he's forget he's, he's 80s. Yeah. <laughs> late, late we 80s. sometimes forget that Beyonce is a late 90s name. She's right. just one of the few people who's. That's true. Had the true. energy right. and creativity to continue for twenty years. You're right. Yeah. You're, you're right about that. Yeah, but but Shakira and and Jennifer Lopez. Those what are, about Gaga? You feel like also like uh, she's, she's a, kind of two thousand mid aughts. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was yeah, gonna yeah. say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I mean, that's sort of the tradition of the halftime show, right? Like, yeah. Justin Timberlake. Was let's not go there. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, we both Susan <laughs> right. and I. We don't want to go. Maroon Five. Justin Timberlake. Um. Uh. Not Beyonce, but Destiny's Child when they were on. They were all yeah. well past. Well, they had Bruno the, Mars one yeah. time. They had him, and they had Prince, who I love. May yes. rest in peace. Um, I know. think Prince is like the most the the one like oh my god, I can't believe he's on this sort of yeah. name, right? Yeah, the one halftime act that shocked right. me. Right, and they like, asked Jay Z, but he declined. <laughs> <laughs> but now apparently Jay Z's changed his mind a little bit about the NFL. Right, who he knows? Has, okay. He has his whole track in the Carters, right? Like. Said no to the Super Bowl. They need me more. Whatever, I'm not. Right? I don't want and the Bayhive. I don't want the Bayhive to come after me. So I don't. I don't want so the Illuminati I, to come I, after I just, me. Um. Anyway, but we're but, <laughs> the Illuminati to come. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Can we say all this on the podcast? No, nope, we're gonna. I don't we're gonna be disappear. Exactly. Um. Exactly. People, if we disappear, you know what happened. Okay. All right. Um, uh, but we wanted to mention that. We wanted yeah, to mention yeah. the J Lo Shakira yeah. halftime 2020. 
Latinx slash yeah. Arab. <laughs> I'm just saying. See, yeah. right, exactly. That's okay. awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, another just brief shout-out, really. Oh, yeah. Um, the MacArthur Genius cool. Awards were yes. just announced this year. Yes. Bunch of brilliant artists there across are. medium who've Always won it. Are. But notably in literature, Ocean Byung yeah. uh, is being recognized, um, and rightfully so. Like, um, yes. Two big books out, and both of them are absolute winners. They're, yeah. they're just these gorgeous books that will be read for years and years to come, and uh, he absolutely deserves all the accolades. Yeah, and I'm happy yeah. to see a poet, I'm you know, a poet who's writing a memoir, but also still a poet. Yeah. That's that's yeah. always, I mean, I'm always, you know, key to note people to that. Yeah. I'm like, starting out as a poet. Yeah. Not, not that, you know, prose writers are yeah. not, you know, I'm just saying, you know, got to hold tight to my people, my, yeah. you know, my clan. Yeah. 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 And this yeah. follows just like, uh, last, last podcast, we mentioned that uh, he just, he's yeah. on the long list for the National Book Award yeah. for his novel as well, yeah. which is really mm-hmm. cool to see. That's great. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'm excited by the diversity and the, in the awards and the, and the long list and the short list lately of all I of many different awards. Like I agree. Finally, like, I feel I like agree. things are moving and things I are agree. changing. Yeah. I agree. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot of, yes, we're seeing diversity all across the board. And yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Joy, Joy Harjo as, you know, Poet Laureate. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, I mean, we're, you know, even Juan Felipe Herrera, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, you, you know, I, I think we've just seen a lot of diversity in the past. I would even recent five years even you know it's just really been up to the game in terms of um, even visibility LGBTQ all of that ethnicity race it's really nice to see yeah yeah it's heartening yeah Speaking of diversity and representation... Yes, we have another announcement, quick announcement. Well, I don't know if it'll be quick. Anyway, uh, Mattel debuted its first ever collection of gender-neutral dolls, people. Yeah. And I've seen the pictures, which are so... You have to go on the internet and look at the... We'll have a link yeah, under we'll the show notes yeah, sure. so that people can see them. Um, Mattel said on Twitter, in our world, dolls are as limited, limitless as the kids who play with them. Introducing hashtag creatable world, a doll line designed to keep labels out and invite everyone in. Yeah. I love that phrase. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's interesting marketing, too. They realize sort of that they're going to be dealing with parents who don't share a language of expansive gender, right? Um, But they still want to make a space for expansive gender in the dolls themselves. And so they're navigating that sort of very narrow stream. And I think they're doing it well so far. And Mattel also, I think this year or late last year, also had um, uh, physically disabled um, uh, dolls as well. So I think Mattel is like quickly getting on board and, yeah. and starting to realize that children need a wide variety of things, too. Just when my daughter has stopped playing with dolls, because I've never bought her <laughs> oh. any Mattel dolls, no Barbie. Right, because they all had ironed hair, iron straight hair. Well, they just don't, you know. Yeah. And, they're, and they're all... Now, a couple of years ago, they started making dolls with, like, uh, a variety of body shapes, which yeah. was nice, yes. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was kind of nice. Um, I still didn't buy one, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, this is nice to see. Yeah, like like we said earlier with the awards list, you know things are finally changing and moving. Yes, that's that's, that's just really good. It makes me feel good to see that. Yeah, and apparently they have changeable outfits. The dolls do. They have different haircuts. They have short haircuts. They also have braid textures. I read all about this, and I was like, oh, cute. I was yeah. just like, you know, I mean, it just seems that they put a lot of thought into it, and they're you know putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah. is sort of the thing I think is interesting. Yeah. Probably also means that they're they're designers are more diverse than they used to be as yeah. well. Yeah. We hope so. Yeah. That's what we hope. Yeah. Hope, hope yeah. Gender conforming and non-binary people are getting jobs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We sure. hope so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love it. I think uh, I think in both literature and in things like this, the children's toys, children's books, mm-hmm. right? All that. We're living in an era where hopefully we continue moving towards you know, the things we engage with, the books we read are sort of representative of the world around us. Yes. Yeah. 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 And we're back with the bang portion this bang, time. Let's yes, do we're it. here. Yes, we have. Oh. We have, we always have interesting questions. Sometimes they're, um, I don't know, a little intrusive, a little bit, but they're, yeah. you know, or maybe uh, uh, curious about our guests. That have I listened. love intrusive. You love intrusive. I love, intrusive. I love I polite intrusive, right? Polite intrusiveness. Yeah. That's what we are here on Lip Pop Bang. But anyway, you yeah. have a question. A couple yeah. of questions. So I had two questions that, that I pulled. Like to, um, yeah. So. Uh, I'm on OkCupid, right? Okay. I'm, I'm, my relationship's open. We still date, so I'm on OkCupid. Um, you said that you, back in the day, a oh, long I've been ago, on... yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you ever use dating apps? No. When you were dating? No. Never used dating apps. There were apps. no dating apps right. when I was dating. Right. Yeah. Uh, there were websites then, right? I uh, think so. Yeah, I'm I never sure. used I... <laughs> You know, it wasn't, back then it wasn't like, you know, 
I don't know. Yeah, it was online dating then. It was a whole was. thing yeah, with a true. sort of expectations. But Susan, you have friends who I bet who have been yes have, yes, yeah, have yeah. been on yeah. dating sites oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I use dating sites back before I used dating apps. So. Oh right, yeah. I see. I see. I, right, right, right. I love it. I've always right. loved it. I don't know. It's weird. Internet stuff. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so I use OkCupid, and I I hate OkCupid. It's terrible. But one <laughs> interesting thing they have um, both like a profile, and then they have questions. Right. And based they on your see, answer yeah. to these questions, they match you percentage wise with people who are like-minded on all, everything from, like, faith and ethics to relationship styles to, like, stupid stuff. Like, how often do you brush your teeth? Um, but my favorite, there's some, like, these weird, like, existential questions. These are all questions, people, that I think are the precursor to you undressing with someone is basically what I think. <laughs> I don't know if these questions do anything to actually get you closer or, I don't know, these, I... I don't. I think the toothbrush, the, the toothbrushing question is a question that's very important yes. to hooking. What's up. the What's the toothbrushing question? How frequently How you brush your teeth? Yeah. How often? Yes. Yeah. It would be interesting to like analyze the strategy in designing each question. Like, yeah. 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 That's how they design yeah. this logarithm. What's the intent for the end user yes, for those exactly. questions? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But surprise, I thought everyone brushes their teeth two to three times a day. Yeah, they do. And no, many people are proud to exclaim that they brush their teeth once a day Ew. or sometimes even less. Ew, that's on, disgusting. On dating websites. That's disgusting. I, I don't want to judge people. I think it's sort of weird. But that's I, disgusting. Yeah. That is actually very disgusting. I mean, but why would you want to know all this about someone? I mean, if you found... you wouldn't want to kiss somebody who I would, I would never... People's answers to some of these questions... I would never date people if you found out... I mean, if you knew all this stuff before you went on a date with this person, you would never even... That's the intent. That's the intent. Right, but I wouldn't select, like, probably 98% of people that are... I mean, because because they would all... That's a primary question. (laughs) Right, they'd be all answering these answers that I'd be like, nope, 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 nope. I mean, you know... Well, I think that's the thing, is that these, these... Brushing your teeth... Yeah. That's a question with immediacy, right? Immediacy. Like, yes. Do I want to make out with this person, right? Ugh. But then the existential questions, they matter less at the start and more down the road, right? If yes, you end up I agree. Getting serious with I agree, yeah. yeah. You want to know what someone's yeah, mind yeah. frame is about. Yeah. So I pulled two of my favorite right. existential questions from right. OkCupid okay Questionnaire, right. and I thought we'd go around answering them um, and, our, and our reasoning behind them. So here's the first one. Okay. Um, would you rather things be good or interesting? Would you rather things be good? And or things meaning anything. Yeah, life, stuff. things around you. Yeah. Yeah. What happens to you? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with interesting because yeah. I think uh, good is just a farce. I think <laughs> I yes. think life is just uh, ups and downs in general. And I think interesting means um, diverse, rich, uh, patterned, uh, like a quilt. You know, I think like interesting to me means I get a variety of many things and all of them don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Good sort of connotes to me like... I don't know, a little bit of perfection. Like, yeah. I don't... Good is... I tell my students, don't ever use the word good in a poem. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm adverse to good in general. Yeah. You know, good and nice. Those two words can just suck it. So on interesting, though, if not good, that also includes bad, right? You're fine with interesting if it also includes bad? Yes, yeah. of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, yes, I'm saying good connotes some sort of, like, perfection. You know, yeah. something yeah. that means, like, oh, it's totally all... Great, you know what I mean. I just don't think. I just. Don't, I think that's a farce. I think. Yeah. I think uh, life is messy sometimes. I think uh, I like my novels. I like my literature. I like. I like the richness of diversity and all the things that life brings with it. So interesting is my yeah. choice. Susan, you're I, nodding. You I, agree? I agree. I yeah. agree. You ever hear that song? I'm. It's, I'm only happy when it rains. By yes. Garbage. By garbage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. that's totally me. Like sometimes, right. maybe it's because I'm a writer. I don't yeah. know. Tell me, you guys feel the same way? But sometimes, like. When I'm in, when I'm sad or melancholic or something, I'm happy in that state of mind. Is that bizarre? But I don't know. I like to experience a wide range of emotions, and I think to be, for everything to be always good and happy all the time, that wouldn't be good for me. I would not enjoy that. It would yeah. be boring for me, actually. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with the boring part, right? And yeah. I think uh, I think that I think writers answer this question the same way, right? We want interesting <laughs> stuff to happen. We want, you think we want the richness of life to hit us, right? Yeah. So you're you're also on. Interesting. I'm interesting. I'm absolutely interesting. Okay, so yeah. what about the people that that actually choose good? Like I'm wondering wondering who those people are. Like, see again, this is another They're the question. The people who order the same thing from the menu every time. They know what they like. They get it every time. Every time yeah. Right. I can't I can't deal with those people. <laughs> yeah. I take a risk. Try yeah. something. Try right. something different. Right, right. I, I'm being judgy, but I think it's the people who, like... Let's just trash people. Get <laughs> <laughs> I think it's people who get, like, safe jobs that they don't love, right? right. They, mm. they purposely put themselves in neighborhoods that are sort of boring and comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, and sort of those those people. And there's plenty of people in the world. I think I would say I would say most people are that in the world. They want good life to be good again, and easy. Again, this would be another qualification for me to just mark people off the list. If eighty percent, eighty five percent of people are set, yeah. choosing good, then I'm like, no, clicking. Yeah. No, it makes yes. the elimination easier. It yeah. does, yeah. Yeah. real quick. And uh, the it's actually okay. Cupid is is good in this. Like, not only do you pick your answer, but you pick which answers are acceptable from from them, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, which answers are that. are okay answers for them to answer? Oh, okay. And if you if if they answer a thing that you say is not an acceptable answer, it lowers their percentage right. of a match for you. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. So you can pick. I I interesting, and I only. Want to date other people who feel the same way. Yeah, interesting yeah. though, I feel like for some people though, is also could be a wide category. Interesting for some people could mean picking bar fights. I don't know. Yeah. You know, interesting could get, <laughs> yeah. the, the yeah. range yeah. of interesting could be very right. wide. Yeah. Is interesting right. caught in the rain or yeah. is interesting like getting arrested? Exactly, after last yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like in that case, people, I'm, I'm black. No, I, I, yeah. no yeah. getting arrested in my interesting, yeah. okay? You know? Yeah. All right, this one's actually, uh, the second one is actually. Way darker, and I actually laughed the first time I saw it in OkCupid. Okay I may it's have to set up a fake profile on OkCupid. Just to answer just questions. Just some research. Ooh, look at Susan yeah, yeah. getting just smart. Some research. Sounds like another book. You guys can help me yeah. think of a name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so this one is, do you think humans will be extinct in a thousand years? Do you think humans yes. will be extinct in a thousand years? Yes. Tell me why. Yes. Because we're destroying the planet, yeah. and half of this country doesn't think that that's a real thing which is so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other day, Greta uh, Thunberg, right? Mm-hmm. This oh, yes. Yeah. Younger, they were yeah. talking about her on Twitter as yeah. if she's, uh, somebody said she's being terrorized by the liberals, <laughs> you know, and that she's being brainwashed. I'm like, no, she's telling you something that is really happening. Yes. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that question gets to, like, are you a person who believes in scientific data or not? Yeah, that's, what I think that's why I love the question. It's loaded yeah. with so much in there that it's asking you. It's asking yeah. about faith traditions. It's asking about climate change. It's asking about general optimism or pessimism. Yes. Um, and so it's a really tightly packed question. Yeah. I think yeah. um, I'm interested in what you're saying about faith traditions because I also don't, I wonder how that plays in. I, it doesn't for me. But I'm just saying, I mean, like, I feel like, yes, my answer is also yes. But my answer is also that. Thank God I won't be around at the very, at the very, at the very, yeah, very yeah. end. You know, what I, yeah. I keep telling my students, I'm like, it's up to you guys to change something. I said, because guess what? I'm gonna be out of here. You yeah. know, what I mean? this is one, this is one way in which you can. I look forward to, yeah. <laughs> to my death. In in, I mean, not. I mean, you know, I'm saying this in a tongue in cheek sort of way, but I'm just saying that there's a there's a lot of stuff going. If things keep going on the current trajectory, um, we re- we really need to start thinking about how the world is going to look. Yeah. And yeah. so I think you know, but I I won't be here to see it. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of how I feel. Yeah, I mean, it's doing the right thing, not for us, right? Who are in our 30s and 40s. Yeah, right? it's doing the right thing for the people who are yeah. behind us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's dark. So do you yes no do you think we'll be extinct? Oh uh, yeah, I I think so. I don't know if it'll be exactly be a thousand. Like I'm yeah. all, I'm, I'm pretty. <laughs> I don't know I if it'll be that. that. Yeah, yeah. My, it could be before that. I keep telling my students, you know, if we're already cloning animals for meat, I mean, you you know, people yeah. need to start thinking about diet. They need to start thinking about. I mean, there's all this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, nobody's thinking about it. Everybody's just like, we're here, and we're. And, and you know we're just gonna suck up and use all the resources and not worry about it. Like that's not that's not even because God intended us to have it. Like, yeah, but that's, that's not even that's not even kind and considerate. I mean, you know, I even have issues about how much space we take up and in terms of houses and how. But I mean, I'm a person that's concerned on a micro level, much less a macro level. I just think it's not it. It doesn't make us good fellow human beings, even here in our active lives, even not even thinking about the future, right? You know what I mean? Why do we need all this space? Why do we need all this? Why do we waste so much? All these things are huge concerns for me, like in the current space. So (laughs) a thousand years from now, yeah, I think think if people aren't thinking, if we we don't do something to change a lot of things, not just climate, but a lot of things, I I, I feel uh, not optimistic about the future. Yeah, Yeah. I think what you just said was like what I mean by faith traditions, right? Like within the same faith tradition we have sort of the idea that like it's ours to exploit as we want or we're stewards of this planet there's a, like a religious responsibility to take yes. care of it within the same oh, faith tradition right yes. um, but also because I've been thinking you know my, my current project I'm working on is for both creative and research purposes oh, about the end of the world right so I've been reading about eschatology for the last month and uh, I'm just 
already thinking about the end of the world, which is why this question slipped in. I'm I mean, sure. and everyone yeah. should. Yeah. Everyone should because that helps you be a better human being yes. in the current space. Yeah. Is yeah. what is all I'm really saying. You know, it's yeah. not about, I mean, yes, the future. Yes, we want to leave a good planet for kids, grandkids, whoever's here, our students, my students, yeah. you know, in general. But we also want to be good fellow human beings yeah. that are thinking yeah. about the people that live next door to us, the people that live around us, our communities, sure. our sure. extent. You know, I mean, this is a really... Yeah you know, important thing. But like we, you know, in living in this country, because we have like this whole um, dialogue coming from um, the so-called uh, Christian right. I don't call them really Christians because I don't think they're Christians in, in the way that they treat other people. But what we forget because we're sort of, there's the noise from that group about this, is that there are people in other countries who are already experiencing climate right. crisis. Sure. There are yes. climate yeah. refugees yes. in other countries yes. who... Um, their economic systems cannot handle yes. what is actually yeah. happening. Yes. Yeah. So their borders yes. are shrinking and so yes. people are suffering. Yes. Um, so part of the world is already experiencing yeah, exactly. the coming of the end of the world yeah. in a sense. And exactly. so we just don't feel it right here except when exactly. there's a bad hurricane or some right. flooding in Houston or something right. like that. Right. You know, and then we say, oh, maybe this is coming. And this little 16-year-old girl is warning us about something. Let's question her motivations and who's brainwashing her. I mean, it's unbelievable how we are not responding to what is right in front of our eyes. So, yeah, I think I think that's a good question for a dating app in a sense to yeah. kind of like eliminate <laughs> anybody who you just cannot deal with, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm actually interested. I agree with you. I, I put, yes, of course, yes. We'll yes. be extinct as near that. But I actually also leave open if someone doesn't believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an acceptable answer for me. And because I'm sure there are people who uh, believe in the immediacy of climate disaster and the future of climate change, um, who are also optimistic, can okay. see a path out, right? Like like Greta, right? Okay. Six-year-old Greta, right? Yeah. Like imagines a possibility of us taking action that does respond oh, no. to it. Oh no, I know? I agree with that. Um, I actually I actually could see that there's yeah. a way out. I don't know that people will do it. Yeah, same, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's it like is possible. Place, I think know? it's unlikely that possible yeah. Yeah. personally. Yeah. 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 Right. But I, I appreciate those who who could see it. I would certainly yeah. date someone who could see the possibility of Yeah, it. I mean I could I yeah. could too. Like I said, it's, it's nice to, I guess it's nice to be optimistic, but I would like to see action other I mean you know uh, other than optimism, I would like to see action. I would like to see people yeah. really doing something. I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel good. I want to see action. That's yeah. always sort of my thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's sort of like the one of the big messages behind like the youth climate movement right now, right? It's yeah. like believing is great, and we're happy a lot exactly. of progressives are believing. Um, and optimism is great, but we're going to need a lot more than just belief and optimism. Right. We're going to need actual political bravery and action. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's it. That's We're the done. episode. Susan, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for uh, having We'll me. put links to the new book and to your to your website. And there, to the article we talked yeah, about, the article. about extensively. Yeah, yeah. so uh, listeners, if you want and to Chronicle. catch that, please check it out in the show notes. Yeah. Um, also, you do all the social media stuff. Follow us. Subscribe. We're on Instagram, but I'm not I'm not posting. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, Instagram. we're there. We're there. We're there, people. Instagram We're everywhere. And Twitter. Twitter. At Lip Pop Bang. Yes. You can listen to us. If you're listening to us now, you know where to find and tell us. A please subscribe. Tell a friend. All that stuff. Tell a friend about our podcast. Yeah. We're great, amazing people. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're nice. We're, we're, no, we're great. Smart. We're great. We're great. I'm gonna go ahead. It's a Friday. I'm feeling froggy. We're great. <laughs> yeah, we're we're good enough that we're tricking smart people like Susan and all of our guests yes, to yes, come hang are. out with us for a yeah. couple hours. Yes, indeed, it's true. <laughs> all right. So again, thanks for joining us. As always, coming from Charm City, I'm Anthony and I'm Cece, and this has been Lit Pop Bang. Bang.